in my mind, I'm already like figuring this is how that conversation is going to go. They might tell me off. <laughs> go pound sand. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, the fact that these guys know each other and he's the one telling me about it, I'm going to push hard to try to get that connection to to go say hi. If you're looking to build one, I mean, you could totally build one. Just be aware that um, you're not necessarily saving money by building it yourself sometimes. But yeah. you learn a lot, you get the experience, and if something goes wrong, you're not afraid to get in there and fix it. Yeah, and, and even if you had like a fume extractor or something like that, that chlorine glass will also destroy every Metals. every <clears throat> ferrous component inside of your laser. It will start to rust within minutes before your eyes. everybody and uh welcome to the laser everything laser source podcast the number one podcast for answering your questions and other stuff <laughs> with we're laser. uh we're here with uh laser engraving 911 michael what's up michael what's up and we got matt here what's up matt hey man, what's going on <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna be uh we're gonna be pounding through all the questions tonight ahead. we got okay. vince in chat what's up vince richie <clears throat> How you doing, bud? Travel Diva, what's up? Jack in the shop, what's up, Jack? Jack. He's, he's actually, here. he's got a new guy yeah. named Jake in the shop from last week, so that's pretty <clears throat> exciting, too. I'm Jack, you missed him. <laughs> the same. Got Will Sims, another Jack. Danny, what's up? All right, let's see. Willie's brain hurts. Uh, that's. I'm sorry to hear that. Ooh, he spent the last week tearing the guts out of a 20-year-old laser and updating it with new electronics. That is a learning curve. Totally yeah, understandable. Actually, you're you're mixing a, generational components at that point now. He wow. had an RF tube that was like a power source and RF tube from like 20 years ago, like he said, and they were like $25,000 lasers when they were new. So right, that's yeah. tell you, like when they were, that's 20 years ago, $25,000, which would basically buy you a house at this point. So <laughs> feels like it. Yeah. You, that That's a lot going on there. What's up, love, Laura, how you doing? E2. Hi, Laura. Uh, first question of the night. How are you on this fine Tuesday evening? Hey, Dave. New LMA member, loving it. Thanks for the great content. Anytime. Thanks for being part of the community and supporting the channel and in the community. Doesn't Kyle's voice remind you of like an ASMR person? Hey, guys. Welcome to the channel. This is the sound of of talking. <laughs> not the one yeah, I listen to. <laughs> no. Oh, don't get started, man. All right, what do we got? Who else we got? How are we on this fine Tuesday evening? Michael, how you feeling, buddy? What's up? What's new? Oh, man, I'm glad to be just sitting down and just hanging out for a second. Today was a whirlwind mix of all kinds of stuff from doing little knickknack engravings for people to data entry for larger engravings. My brain is just turned into mush today by the end of the day. So Oof, I'm glad yeah. to just be chilling right here, right now and not doing any engraving. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can talk about it. That's fine. But like, I don't, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. Do but actually right doing now. the smells, yeah. the textures, the touch, dude, like the other day. Oh my God, look at this. So I had to do some, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. By the end of the night, my hands were the color of this. So this is a Mr. Clean yeah. rub or whatever. This thing is like pure black okay. from PVC or not PVC, the duets plastic, because I wipe them down with this real quick, just to get a nice clean, mm -hmm. like that gets rid of any residue or anything like i've seen so many people ask like how do i get rid of the residue and this and that but i did like 23 signs 
the other night, like mm. four by five inch signs. Oh my God. Done yeah. with that. And then by the end of the night, like I went to go wash my hands. It took like eight. Yeah. I feel you. You can yeah. just smell like acrylic the next day. It's wonderful. Oh, for sure. We got computer creations in chat. What's up, bud? Oh, hope you're doing good. On? So we got our first question. Hello. We do on-site engraving and are considering a UV laser. Please give some basic pointers. My first pointer is what are the general size constraints that you have when you're going to be using the laser? Do you need a, a big workspace or a little one? Because that's going to dictate how much wattage you're going to need to drive that lens, right? On a five watt, I generally probably wouldn't go over a 200. And if you're going to be focusing on glass, maybe not even go above a 175 because you really start to taper off hard with that five watts of power going above that. Another thing to consider too is I was going to say if if you're in a temperature controlled setting or if you're in a warehouse type setting, that's something to consider too because of the temperature that you're going to have because there are water cooled versions and there are air cooled versions. So if you're in a temperature controlled environment like here, I put a split unit in my garage that made it I can control humidity and the temperature. So air cooled a lot easier with less strain on the the laser versus if you're going to get a water cooled, they have water cooled five watt and up actually three watt. No, I think three watts are all air cooled. You you can, <coughs> I think some brands have a three watt, but it's fewer and further between these days. We're starting the, to see, I'm, I'm hearing 10 watts might be getting more air cooled variants soon. Yeah, I've seen that too. We got Mike. Uh, I was going to say I would also, because it was like, what what are some things to consider? They said on-site engraving. So, mm-hmm. I mean, with any laser you're going to bring to a show or do on-site engraving, you know, you have to protect. So I don't know if you're probably going to want to be behind a curtain. You're going to want to set up an area where no one can visually see that UV laser. It'll jack uh, you up. Or, or, or the fiber or a fiber laser for that matter. And enclosed CO2 is a different story. But I would just make sure that n- no one's able to visually be line of sight with that. So you're going to have to work yeah. in, a, in a private area behind your booth doing all that on-site Mobile invest in eye stuff. Yeah, invest in eyewear yeah. for yourself. Yeah, and that's not even talking about your own eye protection. I'm talking about other people's. Protection. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm saying mm-hmm. like because then you say to stay back. Another thing to consider too is if you're doing on site, which means I'm assuming things are being brought to you, or you don't you don't exactly know what it might be. Think about 10 watts because the curvature and the depth of field on the laser is very, very, very small on a five watt. What'd you say, like a millimeter and a half to two millimeters out, you're done? It depends on the lens, but yeah. It, so yeah. If, let's say you have three millimeters of, of uh, height variance and focal range on a fiber. You're going to have half that on a UV, basically. What that means is if you have a nice flat surface like this, perfect for a five watt if you have something like this where it's got a rounded or beveled edge and from one part of the other it tapers and you're going to either have to position it really perfectly Perfectly. or you're going to have to and like i said if it's on site which i'm assuming means like people can just bring stuff to you you might not know what it is you got to consider 10 watt for sure because that gives you that little bit more which can literally make a difference between ruining something or marking it really perfectly and another few thousand bucks i hate to loop back to safety but reflections are big with a uv because it's getting into the visual light spectrum, it will bounce off stuff. So if you have glass or a mirror or a stainless steel surface where that light can bounce off of, it can really jack up somebody's eyes. True story Um, is the only one of my lasers that's made me feel sick from being blinded my eyes for a second. I was like, don't don't toy with the safety of it. It's serious. Yeah. Every laser, but UV reflects differently versus infrared and stuff. So and just, just out of curiosity, mind. what is it specifically that you want the UV laser for? Like, do you have Glass, a specific metal. substrate? Is it metal? Is it some weird plastic that fiber lasers don't do well on? Is that the, it, 
is it just glass? Is that is that the only reason? Yeah. Um, I, I guess I just would like to know right. a little bit more about good question. Why why do you want a UV laser? Because yeah. like literally, if you're going for surface marking, great option. Any type of depth, very few materials are going to get like great depth with. Jack's going to be following up with some follow up questions as we go down. So cool. We yeah, can cool. keep uh, we can keep All circling right. back. Cuban Crack says, "Does anybody know if Umtech will do a Memorial Day sale?" I'm sure a lot of companies are probably going to do a Memorial Day sale, but I don't know of any that have announced them yet. I do that already haven't. Oh yeah, I was oh. going to say Boss, like uh, from the Millijoule that I did. And again, the reason I always mention Boss is because I own or I have owned a couple of them. I get their stuff. They've got a sale right now where it's like seven hundred dollars off their smallest unit, which is the 1420 70 watt or eighty watt. I think they actually are giving you a free upgrade to an eighty watt. And it's like Forty-eight hundred dollars or something like that right now. Forty-nine hundred bucks, and that's on a cart and everything. It's really, really nice made. Hmm. And the uh, sixteen thirty with an eighty watt upgrade is only fifty six hundred. So for seven hundred dollars more, you're getting way more space. You're getting what ten times 20, 20 more inch, twenty more square inches of uh, space, which is pretty yeah. huge. So just saying, and that's literally the same brand I've got. I really, I like them. They've got stateside service, pretty useful people from what I've seen. I do believe they, so I just looked, OMTEC does have a Memorial Day collection bundle on sale right now. So it kind of, I guess it really depends on which laser you're looking to get or what size and wattage anyway, but I'll link that in the chat for you. (laughs) Can I just say this real quick? (laughs) Cuban cracked. I was five minutes late, but then I realized I was actually 10 minutes early. (laughs) (laughs) that's so perfect for this (laughs) uh will says so i will throw the first question out the limit switch on these old machines is closed normal instead of open normal is there a way to switch that in the ruida if i'm not mistaken you can actually switch it based off of the wiring on the back of the limit switch because there there should be three right and depending on which two you wire it to will determine whether or not it engages when open or closed i think you're correct on that you may be able to do it hardware instead of worrying about the software laura said damn Matt shaved, or actually, well, she said Matt shaved, and Will said, damn, man. <laughs> yeah, this is where I was just talking with Michael before the podcast started. I literally have uh, on Saturday, in Florida, it's already 94 degrees. Like, today it was 97 degrees when I got in my truck on the on the blacktop. Literally, on Saturday, I, we had a soccer game from 9 in the morning till like, noon, and then from noon to 1, we had some kind of little party for the kids after the soccer season ended, and it was just, like my beard was sweating, not even my face. The beard itself was just like, take us away. So I had to, man. And my students, literally, my daughter, again, when I came out, goes, how unfortunate. Like, that's her answer from when I shaved. She's seven years old, and my students were just like, why? Why did you do this to us? I think if I ever took off my beard, my kids would, like, leave. Disown they, They've never even seen me without a beard. Nope. There's a couple, like, and all the guys with work, uh, at work. You probably call the like, police and say there's a stranger. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got a guy at work who's a good buddy of mine who looks just like you with the beard, like a nice full beard. And he goes, he's like, bro, no. <laughs> and, like, he just, why you wouldn't even talk to me? I was like, Frank, Frank. For nearly 10 out of the 11 years I've been with my girlfriend, I've had a beard. Just one of those I'm things. with you on that. Anyways, um, sorry. Beard Papa will be back, I promise. We do widgets ass. I know uh, it's been asked before, but what do people use to help keep shipping costs down? If you're, yeah, pirate ship is not. If you're doing a lot of heavy, heavy, heavy stuff that's small, like like really dense metal items or anything like that, flat rate shipping is great for that because then you're not paying by weight. And there, there's other services aside from pirate ship, but 
like ShipStation or there's a bunch of others. So just kind of got to go with your homework on, you know, what you're shipping and the sizes and the services you want to go with and what's convenient locally for you. Yeah. And also try to find, because it's, I mean, it's weight, sometimes it's weight and dimensions. So try to look on Uline for boxes that exactly match what (coughs) it is that you're Mm -hmm. constantly shipping out over and over again. One of the things I, I mean, this is just, you know, sometimes from JDS and other manufacturers, water bottles would come in a nice corrugated white box Mm -hmm. and I would literally ship it in that box. Like I wouldn't put it in another box or, you know, so if you can find products that come with a box that's, that can withstand shipping, that's great. Cause it's usually sized right to the item. And the other option too, is nylon mailers. Like if you can get nylon mailers, super cheap, Oh yeah, that's another that you can put. So if you really wanted to protect the box from like rain, like let's say for example, you're worried about it's going to a place where it might be raining all the time or something, it gets shoved into a mailbox and it's left open and you know, whatever. That's where exactly what those mailers are for. You literally mm-hmm. take the tape off, slap it down. Boom, it's gone. Love them. Patrick says, looking to build or buy a fiber laser, looking at a 50-watt Rakus, BJJCZ board, and SG7110 red light Galvo. What are your thoughts? If you're looking to build one, I mean, you could totally build one. Just be aware that um, you're not necessarily saving money by building it yourself sometimes. But you learn a lot, you get the experience, and if something goes wrong, you're not afraid to get in there and fix it. There's pros and cons. Just weigh your options and know what you want. When you go to buy a head, and uh, speaking from experience on helping other people with a similar issue, make sure your head actually is rated for the wavelength that you're putting the source in for. I've had a couple people come to me with problems with their mirrors and come to find out when they replaced their head, they replaced it with a UV or a CO2 rated head. So the mirrors in them are rated for a wavelength and they're specific. So if you you put in like like a CO2 Galvo head on a, a, a fiber laser source or pair them together, you can totally wreck the mirrors and it will cause a problem. I want to add something since we're talking about Galvo heads. Picking out your Galvo head, make sure that you are super clear on the speed of your Galvo head because they are not all the same. And a lot of the times you will see these lasers at ridiculous prices and you'll come to find out that your max speed is like that you could, yeah, is like half of what a good Galvo head will do. And it really makes a difference. What would you so, consider yeah. to be a good speed like that you're shooting for? 4,000, 5,000? Yeah, like 6,000, like something so, like that. Yeah, and most of the ones that are sent on the cheaper ones are like three. And it really yeah. makes a difference. It really is a difference because, it, and it's not so much about the power, it's the, the fact that you're able to run that faster. Precision. And also you get more settings that way because you can do you can do cooler stuff when you can run it faster and drop the power higher. It, it just gives you more options when you can run the the head the beam faster with settings like Absolutely. for example like if you're working with polymers and stuff like that they have a lighter touch that you need yeah exactly yeah. so um check the speed the max speed of the galvo head that you're thinking about putting on your build and i think uh, is it sino galvo is the one that most people that's like the standard yeah like SG. Uh, yeah they're very good usually um there's a couple of brands out there some are better than others but when you're looking through what it's rated for definitely look through the specs and Lynn. Um, don't be afraid to ask them for an itemized list, but like with the information on that, because otherwise it'll just say Galvo head. So if you tell them, please put the brand, please put everything that way when you get it, if they, if they don't match up or you think there's something iffy, Fishy. yeah, just saying. Good and point, then you, the other thing too,
too is use a credit card just because if you're, you know, the chargeback is easier. Like I hate saying do chargebacks on companies, but sometimes they'll, they'll try yeah, to say, no, no, that we, we sent you what we think is better and that's great, but you didn't order that. Let's like you ordered a steak and they bring you a hamburger. That's cool that you thought I wanted that, but nope, I didn't. So just a heads up. That's one more thought. Danny says, what material can you laser that yields the highest return for a business? Depends what, on your market. Item, item or what material? Ma- material. Material. I've got a good answer for you. That it's is, pretty infinite on that, to be honest. There's a so, lot. Yeah. It also depends on the laser that you have, the wattage and capabilities that you have. I can tell you right now, like, go, go ahead, Michael, tell them what you think. I'll grab something I can show them real quick. Well, I mean, I'm going to say it's going to come down to acrylic and wood, you know, because you can do so much with both of those materials and they don't really cost that much. So your return, that was the question. What material can you laser that yields the highest return? Well, if your material doesn't cost that much and it's plentiful and it comes in lots of different colors and different finishes, but you can get a higher return on it, then I would say it's going to come down to acrylic and wood for material. Yeah, I think that's fair. If you were going to narrow it down to like a laser, like for example, on a UV, you can do glass ornaments that'll cost you $1.50, $2 a piece and sell them for 25, 30 bucks a piece. And it'll take you, Matt, how long did those uh, ornaments take you? Three minutes a piece, maybe like, so, so you sell them for, buy them for a buck 50, sell them for 15, 10 to 15. I, I was going to say 20 or 30 even eh. 15 for somebody, you know, nah, like if you're doing a large order, cause I think he's talking about like, okay. if it's a large specialty order, one yeah. for sure. Like if it was for a realtor who wanted one that said like Matthew Botterford 20, you know, mm. and it's like, yeah, you could probably do something like that. But usually I'd work out a deal with them for like even 20 bucks a piece. Cause you're going to be a repeat customer. All right. You ready? Yeah. Here's my answer. Plastics. Plastics are like, so this piece of plastic is a uh, duet, basically Romark, um, which Michael just did a really cool video about, by the way. Romark is a brand of this kind of stuff and they're really high quality. This is something from JDS, which is like, they call theirs duets, which is kind of like their brand of the same type of material. But basically this guy right here, and you can kind of see, it's tough to see. I did three inch by one inch little slices. This mm-hmm. whole sheet cost me 11 bucks and I charge $5 a piece for the engrave on these when they order this many. Yeah, so the uh, first two so, tags paid for the, paid for yeah, the sheet. The, the right? first two, one, two paid for the sheet. And then it's three, four, five, six. I think there were, I mean, you can see there's like 23 of these, like it just keeps going. So 23 times five, whatever that is, 115. So 115 bucks. And I still have a foot of a sheet, like a foot by nine inches, which means if I were doing three inch by one inch, you know, that's another 15 that I could probably get. So this one sheet, will yield me a return on investment that's like a thousand percent or more. So that's that. Then you get into acrylic, which again is plastic. So this is three sixteenths acrylic and a sheet of this, this is smoky gray from Kimcast. So Kimcast is a company out of Mexico that ships to America a lot, North America. I paid 105 bucks for a four by eight and I had them cut it down to nominal pieces of three foot by two foot, which is my bed size. So that yeah. uh, got me for a hundred dollars. I got four three by twos and two two by twos. So I got yeah. two squares and three rectangles. And then I charge $9 a piece for this item. It's a, a cover for a radiator that a guy make. I make for a specialty motorcycle. Um, mm-hmm. And if you look, that's $9 a piece. So I can do one, two, three, four down. Down, right and I can go five across so I can make 20 so 20 times nine is 180 per one of these so this one paid for almost two sheets of acrylic so that's where if, if you and by the way he usually orders it one sheet at a time because I told him it's easier for me to buy the sheet make the sheet I really don't want to store the sheet so it's 180 times four and then the other one yields me 12 so four times 20 is 80 good money 
That's plus, what it is. Yeah, plus 30, so 110, so that's $990 on $110. So I got about a 900% yield, 800% back on that. So to me, plastics are a really good way to get started to pay off your machine. It's just getting the settings. Those are those are engraved and those are cut. And he's really precise. Like he literally has micrometers and stuff. So when I bring things, he sits there and looks at them and he has his girl, he's got a shop girl who will literally look at everything and they have to meet his specifications because they are for parts that are on a moving motorcycle. And if they fall off or something, it can kill somebody or hurt somebody. Long answer, but plastics, there's a lot in plastics for me, but yeah. that's because of my market. Jack back with the UV will be lazing logos and working with a 150 by 150 area. And he did say glass down below. Okay, so cool. yeah, um, makes sense. Works. what we said will still apply there. 150 is a good size for a five watt. Perfectly fine on that. If you're going to be working with a curve or doing project marks or anything like that, a lot, like everything you do is basically going to be a curved surface. That would be where I would say maybe looking at 3D would be a thing, especially if it's going to be the same curve curve over and over and over and over and over because then 3d modeling it will be worth that time if you're not going to be doing that then 2d would just frankly be easier alex says hey my shop bought a fiber laser to engrave different parts and no one actually knows a lot about using it do you have any books or documents you recommend that i can read while the cnc runs no website we yeah i got a uh, website with lots of videos we have youtube videos you could listen to you can listen to the podcast we talk a lot about different questions people have about fiber lasers we have tons of videos. We have the the LMA, which there's a lot of reading documentation on there, a lot of questions, a lot of discussions that are done there. The Discord has a lot of forums where people ask questions and also chat. And in the, the playlist section of our channel, the there's Galvo Crash Course. The Galvo Crash Course for Lightburn and also yeah. one for EasyCAD too, depending on what your shop has. By the way, Alex, for you, if you're sitting there looking through, because it is a myriad of videos, look for the one where Alex, the guy who's not here right now, looks like Jesus or something. He's like, oh, actually, no, he has the it's, lips closed. It's right? the it's first like, video in both playlists. Yeah. It's, so long, it, it's like a 40 something minute video. It's, it's super useful from literally pulling it out of the box and putting it together all the way to like doing photo engraves, doing different materials and using light burn in general. Also, if you have an EasyCAD 2 board, I highly suggest step one, buying light burn. And then step two, going through the Galva course and and then step three, if in, there's any like further questions specifically that weren't answered, always look on Lightburn's website because they have really, really in-depth and thorough explanations of how to do stuff and how to use things that are really useful. If you're somebody who's like a reading helps you. You just, you said it all. Those are the best. There's also those Michael's are, channel. Michael, are, Michael does a lot of projects and stuff too. I do, but not on, not so much on fiber. So, but yeah, you, I do a lot of CO2 stuff, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff with the CO2. So Royable Ranch Artisans, would an X-Tool F1 be a good choice for on-site engraving? We've never actually had an X-Tool F1 in our hands. So I can, we can look at the spec sheet and offer you a, a feedback on that, but we don't really have a, a real world use case for it but it's a diode right um, it's the combo one i think it's the combo one it's kind of like a laser pecker but it has the i think it's got the got a two watt diode and a and a regular diode oh yeah i'm looking at it yeah it's got a two bucks. watt fiber <laughs> and a and a diode so for surface mm -hmm. marking you could probably do okay if you're doing like slate coasters or leather or something like that for the price that if i'm doing, seeing i'd say yeah. just get a fiber yeah because how much is it like 12 or 1300 bucks uh, or something? I'm looking at it at the, 
Sixteen hundred bucks is so you're literally four hundred dollars away from doing the same projects with a lot yeah. more capabilities through the use of light burn and other useful like the other utilities, I guess, it make it more utilitarian. That's my personal thought. I'm kind of the same opinion, right? A two watt fiber diode in combination with like a five watt four fifty five or whatever wavelength diode combo, I don't think is gonna have a lot of use case outside of surface marking. And you're gonna be limited, right? So you'll be able to surface mark metals, but a lot of the marks you're going to get or you're not going into the surface you're just going to be marking at the surface yeah like i could see this good for like you already have something with a design on it and you just want to add their last name to it yeah or their first yeah. name or you already have pre-done stuff where you're just customizing it putting a date or a name or a heart or something like that like that's like, where i think this could come into play but if someone if you're going to be doing like hey pick from my logo book and i'll put a whole logo on this coaster for you i'm pretty I, i'm not sure if it's going to get it done pretty fast i'd agree especially because if you had a selection for the people as they walked in or something that you know you you need to know the burn time on something like that with a fiber it's going to be under 10 minutes i could tell you for pretty much anything and then that's where like if it's on site you know you're going to tell someone hey come back in 45 minutes and then the other problem is too that's the one thing you did in 45 minutes right or it, it might not be 45 but you know what i'm saying like but i have for, to say look at I, I just have to say I really like the green and I yeah. like the way it looks. It's, it's very, it's very, um, it's very fun to look at. Look oh yeah. Very, it's it's like a laser yeah. espresso machine. Yeah. I, th I think if it was me and it was going to be, it, you needed it lightweight and you needed to be able to bring it with you to a show without injuring your back. Right. So obviously like a split style system is going to be out. Right. But I would probably look at like an all in one fiber. So there's a sale going on mm -hmm. on the com marker before the, the black machine right there. I think that was like 1800 or 1900 bucks. And there's a $200 off coupon and it was on sale on Amazon. Then you have the Makira. Mine is a 30 watt, but there are also 20 watts, which kind of helps bring you down into the a similar price range. And that there are other brands that do similar stuff. There's an EM Smart, there's other ones out there. So depending on what you want, how tight of a platform you need, yes. the repairability that you're looking for, how easy it is to get into and work on if something goes wrong, all that kind well, of you know, rolls into it. But the other thing I was going to say is I'm looking at the uh, let me just share my screen real quick so anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about or why we think the thoughts we're thinking, I'm assuming everybody's on the Xtool page. So for people who don't know, this is what they're asking about the Xtool one. So 1600 bucks. And this is where you're like, well, $1,600. But then if you are doing what Kyle mentioned, or like you said, on-site engraving, you are going to need yeah. filtration you're going to need uh, exhaust. You're going to maybe want multiple lenses so that you don't, you're not stuck on one size fits all kind of a deal. And that's where you might want a rotary. And so when you look at this, you're already at $2,200. So if you get the rotary and the air purifier and the stuff that you, you could do a one shot from one place, which I assume you'd want to probably stay in line with these people. I mean, there is a cheaper way by going to Amazon and doing all that stuff. But for 2200 bucks, the price of this, you could get that really, really, really functional tool of a 20 watt laser. So, and then for maybe like a hundred dollars more, have a really nice fume extractor or fume fume box. Yeah. Whatever. So, and, and you're, and then what's happening is your capabilities are threefold of this machine. And by the way, usually to, when you pay for something about this price with a fiber laser bundle, you would actually get multiple lenses, a rotary and the machine itself for that price. So you're getting 
a lot more bang for your buck by buying the fiber laser. I guess it, it depends on what you're looking for, how lightweight and how quick you want to work and the versatility you're looking for. If it was us, I think we're all in agreement. We'd probably just go with a 20 with watt. What I know, with what I know bucks. now, yeah. So we got light speed laser engraving with, I'm using Lightburn and an EM Smart 20 watt fiber laser working great, but it's not giving him the ability to frame before it jumps into engraving. So he has to use a wasteboard first to find out where it's going to burn. Uh, what is he doing wrong? That's not good. So well, that should be a pretty easy fix. Kyle, take it away. You have a couple of options there or a couple possibilities, I should say. Could be the IO, like the port that is assigned to framing. If you go into your device settings, you may need to change the port that it's assigned to. If it's set to the same port, for example, as the start marking port, I forget the terminology used in Lightburn device settings, but if it's set to the same port, when you go to frame, it's going to start marking because it's going to start sending those instructions to the laser, for example, or it's going to get stuck in a loop and freeze. So you may need to change that. There's also a setting where you can require it to frame before it will start the job. And you may be looking to engage that as well. So that way, when you do hit start, it will prompt a framing window. When you see where it's framing at the laser, then you can come back to the computer, hit start, and then it'll send the job. Do you guys have any pint glass examples on the UV? How much where oh, yeah. were you able to cover with the project mark? So I have, it's not a pint glass, but it's about the same diameter. So how many cover your eyeball millimeters wide is that? So that and what, going watt, to vary. what wattage was that? This is a five watt. Oh, you um, yeah. UV print not print, but UV laser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I did one on this with the UV too, so I can show you that. I did a um, my depth of field. So this is one that I did with the fibers. So let me just show you this. Um, and I know you're asking about the UV. So this is what I've got the same exact thing in the glass size. So this is a point on the fiber. I usually keep mine around like 68 millimeters on the actual five watt. I think I got mine to be about 43 and it was really nice. After 43, I started, my edges started not getting that really nice sandblasted look and it still had a mark, but it, uh, so what is that? Two, uh, just, just about two inches almost right is uh 50 is two inches i guess one in seven eighths inch so but that's so for the five here, watt so here's another factor right so your typical pint glass is probably right around 80 millimeters in diameter so your diameter your circumference is also going to be a factor because it's going to change the depth from the the center to the edges of the engrave you're battling two different uh areas right right, right. so this is an 80 millimeter diameter circle right mm -hmm. i was able to do about 38 millimeters without a problem. Ooh, I could yeah, probably nice. do a little wider, but then you start getting into the nitpickiness of is every piece of glass going to be the same? Yeah. And did you focus it just right? Because at that point, you're now really getting close to the edge of what it's capable of without having yeah. to refocus and run a second mark to get a good outcome. 40, 43 was my absolute, I wouldn't sell it past that. For me, that's with a 150 lens is what I have on my UV. Okay. And in theory, if you're going to be doing glassware, is there a nice rotary setup for a UV laser that can chuck up a pint glass or a because we wouldn't even be having this conversation if you had a rotary, because then you'll always be in perfect focus. So, so I actually, what's the answer? I, I'm dying. To it's know funny you mention that. I prefer if I'm doing anything round, even if I'm not rotating it, even mm -hmm. if it's it's a strip across the surface of the, the curve and I'm yeah. not even really working the curve, I'd still rather chuck it into my rotary because then it's not going to roll around. I have a, a wine glass rotary and it's spring loaded on one side, which is actually really nice. So when I have four, five, six, ten, 
10, 20, 100 of the same thing that needs to go through, I can quick change with a spring. I don't have to loosen a chalk nice. and mess with anything. Nice. There is no little spring-loaded thing to hold back. And it's got uh, silicone in, right? Using a third arm. It does not have Rubber. silicone on it, but it's got cone shapes and flats that you can okay. either chuck in or on the other side you screw in onto the spring side. Uh, you can also say, 3D print bigger ones if you need to. <clears throat> I was going to say you could do, you can buy some silicone or rubberize, you could rubberize the edge that has the conical section on it too. If so, if you're doing stuff like champagne flutes and stuff like that, because yeah. like he said, there are different sizes and utilities so that if you if that's something you're concerned about, my answer would be, but, so Jason Reif, the guy who does Rotoboss, he... Mm -hmm. When I'm doing stuff that sits still, well, actually, you asked about Rotary, but if I'm doing stuff that sits still, he made these. I know you can't see. I'm wearing dark colored clothes. But basically, it sits like this on your machine, and you can just rest the pints if you can make me big. So it's literally just like a sliding 3D printed thing. So basically, kind of like how you have uh, something you can jack up or down to fit items. Yep. They sit across from each other. Bada bing, bada boom. The rotary that I got. Now, this is an expensive rotary, but I can tell you. We're only talking about rotaries and jigs that work with the UV laser right now, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so mine's well, actually I mean, this works right within, with any fiber. Right, right. Yeah. yeah I guess. So this is just one that's very similar to what Matt just showed, mm -hmm. except it's it attaches to a, a metal base plate. And these can pull together, pull apart based off of diameters from the top versus the bottom if it's tapered. Okay, so here's my expensive answer. So I had an order of 100 glass pints, and I made enough money off of that order to literally justify I got paid cash for this. So, But this is the Rotoboss Low Roller. Mm -hmm. And if you look, it literally, this is the bottom. Like, I mean, it bottoms out like on the actual bed of your uh, Galvo. And so you got that right there. That's the drive, but that's where everything goes. And so you can see how low you can get, which is nice because you, even with a 500 millimeter tower or the 50 centimeter tower, you're fine. A 70 centimeter or 700 millimeter tower would be the ideal one for something like this because you can use 300 way easier. But with this machine, even if you don't have the 70, you're okay. And I made it, each glass took about, I think it was two minutes and 12 seconds for a two and a half inch engrave. But yeah, so I made really good investment in this, I think, because it just knocked them out repeatability very high and it literally just plugs right in that's what's yeah. nice about personally it. personally that's what i would do man if i if i was going to be doing glass and the uv laser i'd invest in a rotary tool like that and just cut to the front of the line so you don't have to worry about focusing or figuring out all that kind of stuff yeah just, there's no focus, nothing to it focus and then run your file so i like i like that and so literally what i've got is um that the nice thing about it too is it actually can be screwed down into your thing so it doesn't move when you're into your bed when mm. you so that's what's nice about it because of the feet he 3d printed feet that you can screw in to yep. have that capability so then you don't have to worry about it pretty good for any type of and what's nice too is if you are trying to do uh i've got the co2 galvo now if i wanted to for some reason do i it should plug into that because they're both from the same manufacturer and the manufacturer said it should work with both. How does UV do better on glass than a CO2? Uh, the wavelength. It's a completely different wavelength and it reacts differently to the, the material, just like fiber versus CO2, right? They have different effects on different materials. The UV gives you um, essentially a sandblasted look. It's actually ablating the glass. So you shouldn't really have any sharp edges, shards, anything like that. Whereas with a CO2, you're microfracturing. It's not really ablating, it's kind of surface cracking it. So you can tune that so that you still get a nice surface. There's also other finishing techniques that you can 
can do to it, like little sanding pads and rubbing compounds and nice. whatever. If if you if you can't get it fine tuned to the point where you're happy with the surface, but UV it just comes <clears throat> off that way. Is fracturization or fra- fractalization versus like really nice sandblasted look? at the microscopic level. Patrick confirmed what we were talking about with the limit switches earlier. So thank you, Patrick. For those that own a mirror, how often are you changing your distilled water? So the reason I'm bringing this up, even though I don't personally have a mirror, is it's kind of the same regardless of your machine if you're using Mm -hmm. a a water cool. Because ultimately, the reason why you're changing that distilled water is so that if anything is breaking down into the water, you're removing it from the system and flushing it. And two, if there's any growth occurring in the distilled water, algae or otherwise, the kind of time frame around that is usually about six months. You want to flush it. If you notice something growing in the tubing, if the tubing is changing color, turning darker, getting a U to it where it was otherwise like more of a white color, for example, that's your kind of telltale sign that something might be growing in your cooling loop. It's time to uh, to flush it, maybe do a cap or two of bleach in it to kill anything growing in it and do another flush. That that would be kind of <laughs> the go-to. I, I wouldn't go more than six months. If you're nearing the year mark, you may want to have done it a couple months prior personally, but... I haven't um, changed mine in three years. And it's yeah. absolutely, there's nothing wrong with it. Some of the desktop lasers are starting to use that like coolant liquid instead of water in yeah. there. Have you seen that? I'm pretty sure that nothing's going to nothing's gonna gl- grow in that stuff. <laughs> Whatever's no, in there. <laughs> so there's growth inhibitors in that. A lot of the ones that come with it are generally formulated for low conductivity. So mm-hmm. it's usually safe for the laser or it should be, I hope. But uh, it, there's growth inhibitors when you're talking about coolant instead of distilled water usually. Yeah. It's not the same type, but it's the same idea as for uh, car coolant or RV coolant. Right. Totally. Uh, winterizing coolant, that kind of stuff. There's growth inhibitors that prevent stuff from growing in it. So you don't get bacteria growth and your radiator doesn't fill up with junk and get blocked and start popping pinhole leaks everywhere. You know what I'd love to see have some growth? The number of likes on this. That'd be oh, good. good segue, That's Matt. Good yeah, segue. we got a 60, we had 68 people in here a minute ago, but only 27 likes. But so if you like uh, and you appreciate what you're hearing, by the way, definitely give us a little love down in the smashable like button there. Just a heads up. Get it in front of people who might need their questions answered because people that that's what helps it get into the whole the loop for people. Adam says he's got a 30 watt CO2 Galvo. Love it. Ooh, nice. Uh, currently watch, uh, running a 0.05 hatch and 0.05 split size for the tumbler on Chuck Rotary. What are the negatives to upping Upping. the split size and can that speed up the engrave? So yes, the negatives to upping the split size is that for CO2, it's not quite as big of a deal, but you can affect quality a little bit because now you're introducing a variable focal distance as you start to wrap the corner a bit. So that's part of it. The split size is for anybody who doesn't know is the distance in which the rotary turns in between the laser doing its thing. And on a Galvo, you can do a section of the surface without moving the rotary, unlike on a gantry laser, because it works differently. <laughs> but yeah. um, and it tells it how big of a split to do. I mean, I guess maybe you could figure out a way to do it on a gantry, but you probably wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah, the the negative is you're you're getting a variable focal distance. If it's extreme enough, you will get a varying degree of mark, and that can affect the the results you see. And you can start to get little variations in 
how much is taken off and what little little fade marks in between each split side. Yeah. It almost looks like prison bars or like a scanner from like a, uh, what is it? UPC or whatever, like the little, and you'll, you'll start to see it. And as soon as you do, you know, you've gone too big. Mm -hmm. It's uh, on a fiber. You can also get over ablation in the center of the split and under ablation at the edges. So now you're eating into the metal versus at the edges, you're leaving powder coat on. So it's like two bigger extremes on a CO2. You could probably whack more power at it to kind of combat that but mm-hmm. like Just everything with the heat, it, it's like, a balance of time versus quality um, yeah, i would do like I, a, I would get a I would get a blower cup and just kind of set it up, not not doing anything and just seeing how wide you can go at different focal points. Ooh. Dial in that perfect focal point and then you'll kind of know what your max split size will, you can get away with. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say a really cheap way to do what Michael is talking about is these little guys right here from Johnson Plastics Plus or if you want to go on Alibaba and order them. So these you can do and they're basically spray painted. So you, yeah, can, basically. you, you can literally, especially with a... Uh, with the CO2. I mean, it's just melting away that layer, right? So don't be afraid to do something like buying a little pint cup and for the purpose of finding out splits and what it looks like and does. Now, if it messes up the metal, obviously, whatever, but spray paint it, right? Take it back outside, let it sit out there for a couple of minutes, buy five or six of these, and you'd be able to do a lot of practicing, burning, and learning. Yeah, that's and a learning. good way to look at it. Just a, that's one of the ways I figured out how to do the, the project mark right to where I wanted it for the price of a can of spray paint. Rebel <coughs> Ranch says, can you guys tell if plastic has chlorine in it by the smell when you laser it? No. And you wouldn't want to be able to tell by the smell because off gases chlorine gas when you laser something with chlorine in it like PVC. Super dangerous, super toxic. When chlorine gas combines with water, it creates an ass like an acid and you don't want that happening in your lungs that is called death basically it's a very terrible way to die don't do that and don't put anything under the laser that you don't know what it is is the best answer i can give you on that yeah and and even if you had like a fume extractor or something like that that chlorine glass will also destroy every every ferrous component inside of your laser it will start to rust within minutes before your eyes like literally it it happens like within minutes somebody made a post on it they did what someone told like so basically a to, to go with what Michael's saying, a customer brought in like 10 or 12 items and it was somebody in the laser lounge with Alicia Pate because uh, I just was scrolling through there one day and I looked and a guy said, I really wish I hadn't had done or trusted the customer, but that's exactly what happened. So he had a really strong fume exhaust. So he never had any issues or at least that he's aware of yet with his health, but the machine looked like it had aged like a year and a half overnight. Like it had sat outside all the steel parts Rusted. looked like trash. And so he, yeah. he's, I, yeah. And then on top of that, like the, you gotta think about the gantry is usually some type of a steel. The worm rods are steel. Your panels, usually a light steel, like an 18 gauge or 20 gauge steel. So just so Um, many components in there. Another side story to that. I uh, saw somebody who decided they wanted to follow the trend of doing those uh, vinyl record, the, like the little crafts where you cut stuff out of a vinyl record. The ones that are supposed to be done with a band, with a scroll saw, those. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, uh, They thought it'd be fun to do that with their brand new epilogue. Like literally two weeks old. Oh, yeah. that hurts. Uh, talk about a $50,000 mistake, right? Oh, yep. that is a car. That's like just a car. <laughs> just don't. Because guess what? That's not covered under warranty and neither are your lungs. And neither are the loved ones in the house with you or your shop or your customers. I'm not so even worried about them. The machine is what matters more. If, if you have... 
any questions about what's in the material you're lasering, it should be relatively easy to get an MSDS for anything. So if you're doing a hundred of something for a customer, look up the brand, message the company and ask them for an MSDS if it's plastic or even a one-off. Usually you can go to a website and pull an MSDS for something. There, There's my little hack for that. Richard says, business question, I want to make a website. How do you guys go about adding customizations, knowing what to engrave, looking like, looking at a plugin that lets customers upload onto your product, but expensive. Zakiki would be my estimation on Shopify. that. Yeah, that's literally a year and a half ago when I started on the channel and my first time coming on here. That's literally what I what I talked about was, and I know before me was Alex Campbell. Um, he's yep. the one who turned it on, turned me on to it. And it's a, it's a pretty cheap, it's for what you do, um, unless you're doing massive amounts of sales, like we're talking six figure sales. Mm-hmm. That's when it starts to eat into your profits quite a bit. But with Zakiki, basically in your Shopify, I turned it off on mine, by the way, because I found that it really wasn't worth the money for me. Because even though I had all this stuff, people called me and then walked and talked to me. Logo. And I was just like, why am I doing this? What's the point? And then I just, so basically it ended up costing the people more money because now I'm charging them a setup fee. So, but whatever. They, they were like, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, Zakiki is really great because basically you can go in and you can set rules, you can set limits, you can provide expectations, you can say where they can do it, how much it's going to cost. So what's nice is if you wanted to say the cup is $20 for an initial front engrave, but if they want to add a back engrave, they can click back, uh, rear engrave and then pick their options. So definitely worth installing it. You do get it for free for 30 days. So you can play with it to see how it integrates with your shop and whether it's worth it. I think it was $9 a month for the one that I picked, which basically gave you about six different uh, you could have customization on six items, but you could make your items cups. And then all of my cups now could be done with that. So for like 10 bucks a month, if you're working on cups, there you go, right? Like if that's your main thing or hats yeah. or something like that. That's cool. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely with Shopify's ability to create drop down menus and stuff. There's a lot of options in in uh, that way. So nine, I, well, and it could have gone up. It probably went up like everything else has. So maybe 10 to 12 bucks a month. You're good to go. It's nice. compatible with multiple web services too. So yeah, if you go to the Zakiki homepage, they give you a drop down with which web services they integrate into directly. The other option, Michael has great information about just building your own website too. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. You can also just build your own website. My, even my website doesn't have that feature where customers can get an upload and and get a preview. But yeah, you can build your own website and uh, you can use some of the people on Fiverr to help you with maybe the fine details of setting that up. But Shopify is is a great platform for that. And then maybe going over to Fiverr to get some assistance and getting it the way you want it for not too much money. Dude, I didn't realize on questions we're almost an hour behind from where people ask them, holy shit. Yeah, we, we got we to gotta plow through some of these. Danny says, is there much of a difference between the different brands of fiber lasers? They all look the same and function the same way. Uh, assume they all have similar specs, Tower. So assuming they all have similar specs, there are still differences that you're not going to see. You have quality in assembly, you have quality in wiring, you have care taken during the wiring, and also testing time that happens before it's shipped out, validating that it's set up properly, getting you a base EasyCAD and core file for all the lenses you ordered. Then you have 
have care and shipping, uh, packaging and shipping, and then you have speed and shipping. So is it coming over on a boat or is it being air freighted is another cost piece to that. So there are differences. They're just not differences you're going to see until you start digging under the hood. And like we were discussing before, some companies will advertently stick different heads, different equipment, different internals into something because it's cheaper at cost versus something at quality to save a buck, even if on paper it's supposed to do the same thing, but longevity-wise, it may not last as long or... They'll be like, may not come with the look at all the wattage this has, but don't don't look over here at the Galvo head or anything else. But look so, at look at how many watts so this has, right? So you got to get the oh, overall picture. Um, I was going to say headphones would be a great example. Headphones, if you've ever picked up a pair of headphones and felt like they were really weighted and you were like, man, these are quality, like there's some weight to this. If you've actually, um, so they, they did a study on this, like they, um, I don't know if you guys, do you guys ever look up like top 10 best for 2023, you know, those kind of things? Sure. Gizmodo did a breakdown where they literally opened them up and took them apart. And like Bose, the stuff on the higher end with the quality had really, the components were weighty because they were chunky stuff that, that had great electronics in it. But on the cheaper end, like the midsection, which were the beats and stuff like that, they'd actually taken the cups off of the headphones. And so again, just by looking at it from the outside, you go, yeah, they look the same. It's it's this, they're, they're really nice. They feel good. Uh, and when I took them out, what they had was a one and a half ounce weight that had just been on each side. They had like just put oh a God. one and a half ounce. So a 90 gram weight had been just screwed in place. And That's so, gross. yeah. And you sit there and you're like, and you're, you're paying, and they literally said the components might be worth like <clears> 60 bucks. And you're just like, Wow. So that's exactly what Michael's saying. It's, you know, look how amazing it looks. Oh, no, 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 don't ask about it, but look at it. They could put all the the quality into the laser source and skimp on every other part of the, the laser. Optics, not saying every manufacturer do that does that. Like SFX is, you know, pretty good build quality. You guys got some recommendations for overall you know, kind of split the yeah. difference on all the components, not just put it all into one component. It makes yeah. a difference. You can check out the buying guide. There are some good options there. It's for sure not uh, an endless supply or endless list of of options, but we can only test so many lasers at a time, right? In terms of quality, we're not going to recommend something we haven't tested or validated hands-on at some point. And again, um, when if you order one, when you get it, check it out and make sure it's what you ordered. Again, yeah. just important stuff. E2 says, what do you do for business insurance? Do you get oh, higher question. rates because you do laser engraving out of your home? No. I mean, do you want to no. talk about it, Michael? What do you do? Yeah, I just have a business owner's policy. And then I it's I think I pay like 700 a year for yeah. that. Oh, and, it I, also, and it also covers my equipment that's here. And all. And if I get any new equipment, I just let them know. And it, I'm like, hey, I got a new epilogue or whatever this year. And they're like, oh, your insurance went up $30. $30. So a B, a BOP, B-O-P uh, is what I have. And then and then I have my homeowner's insurance policy, which, which is separate, you know? So in uh, that way, the, the BOP covers... Not only my equipment, but it also covers if customers coming over, you know, they slip and fall on my property or stuff like that. So, so it is totally doable. It's not a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal. I can tell you I did the same thing, and that's exactly what I was going to say for Kyle and for you. 700 bucks is great because I'm paying 800 We basically have the same thing. And I bet you if I would have, like, jockeyed a little harder, I probably could have knocked it down. But it also might be state to state and where you're located, too, because sure. I am I am in a hurricane alley. <laughs> so everything's higher. But the, what I've got is commercial general liability, which basically I'm actually looking at my plan, but I'm not going to share that on the screen because it's got numbers that are important. But it covers third 
party, i.e. non-employee bodily injury, damage I caused to a third party's property, medical expenses for someone injured on your premises, like Michael said, like a customer, completed product liability, which actually was one of my main concerns. So if I make a sign for somebody and people are standing under it taking a picture and it falls down and hits them and someone tries to sue me, you know, three years later, <clears throat> that, that gives you certain coverage, by the way. But also that goes back to how did they hang it? Because that's the one thing I never provide hangers. I always let them figure it out because then it's not me. But anyways, that's commercial general liability. By the way, I will say for Miranda's sake, we are not insurance people, but this is just what works for us. Yeah. Um, We're just so, telling you what we have. So that t- check with your local insurance people, check with your, uh, your state because your state might actually have expectations. And by the way, that's not for my whole house. That is literally for my garage because my garage is the 400 feet of space that I have. It is considered my business location. So if somebody hurts themselves outside of the garage, that's my homeowner's stuff. Uh, Love says, not so much a question, but uh, information. HD, I'm guessing is Home Depot, is having a great sale. If you mm-hmm. buy a Ryobi 18 volt, one plus, two batteries, $99, you can get oh, a free something else. <laughs> I got an Orbiter Sander. So there you go. If you need chop tools, thank you, Love. Cubing asked, uh, is it okay to cut PVC sheets for spray paint stencils? No, but we talked about that. <laughs> there are safe alternatives to that. There is chlorine-free stencil material. Polyvinyl yes. stencil material that's totally, non-chlorinated. You can totally uh, just so search for that. laser safe stencil material. You you can find it. You could get a cricket for that too. Or if you but know this someone is laser with everything, Matt. I know. I'm just telling you, people have tools. We just talked about an orbital sander. <laughs> no laser in that orbital sander. Dude, my first video on my YouTube channel was me using a orbital sander look at that talking about more different tools oh yeah oh by the way this old lynn says earrings have been my surprise hit even with sterling silver backers and acrylic sheets it costs less than 25 cents a pair and i sell them for ten dollars a pair and sell hundreds of pairs at craft shows that's why i showed you the pieces of acrylic that are sitting next to me do you see that pile stacked up back there that is for keychains that have my logo and stuff on it that is for earrings for like little kid earrings i basically make them and give them away because my daughter's classes and then uh, i put my information on all of them and it's also for if you want a fancy tag. So let's say you've got this board. So I, I these are one of my big sellers of the olive wood boards. Right here, I take twine and I wrap it around and make it look all rustic. But then I've got a little inch and a half tag, I think it's inch and a half, that just dangles from that. And it's got my QR code on one side and my logo on the other. So just saying... Every, yeah, crafty, Matt. Like I'm sitting here trying to figure out how can I get my name out there more. And it's working. I've had random people calling me from all over. So yay. So Patrick earlier said he was looking at building a, a fiber. So for the board, mm. will Lightburn work with all or how can you tell? There's a lot of iterations of the EasyCAD 2 board. There's also the EasyCAD 2 light boards, which some of which are fine and some of which aren't, depending on if you want a rotary or additional access support. So without getting too much into that, because that's a whole nother question, it's compatible with all EasyCAD 2 boards at this time. They're looking at compatibility for other 2D similar boards like the Cyclone boards and other stuff. As far as I know, and I've actually had one Cyclone EasyCAD 2 clone board and it's worked fine. There's other ones from uh, JC, the, one, the company that does CCAD. Uh, they're looking at compatibility for that, I think. Oh God, what is that company? Um, at least I saw a post saying so. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but for now, EasyCAD 2. EasyCAD 3 is something completely different. It uses a completely different language, if you want to think about it that way. Totally non-compatible, not even in the same realm of communication type. Computer Creation says, can you comment on the differences you would find in a production environment between a 5 and 10 watt UV? Is it worth the cost difference for engraving curve services that are larger in size? So... 
uh, if you're doing basically all curved surfaces, then yeah, it's going to help because it's going to allow you to run a bigger lens and bigger lenses is going to significantly assist you. Uh, I, also, I also highly suggest if that is what you are going to do, looking into a 3D machine specifically, because I've seen in there's a UV Facebook group I think it's just called UV laser marking group or something like that. And I'm in it, but uh, they talk about, I, they, I basically have seen the difference from 3d and that what I was talking about doing on the rotary, you don't even need it. Like they're killing it with their project marks on it with a 10 watt and it's phenomenal stuff, like phenomenal work coming out of their shops and it's in sub one minute jobs that look amazing. The only different, the only bad thing though is you'd have to use EasyCAD three but if you are going to invest and make that your 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 business, it's worth the investment to learn that so that you can yeah. do it. The the benefit there is you're not trying to mark out of focus, right? You have a dynamic head which will adjust the focus around a, a 3D model in software so that it knows where it's marking at what height it should be marking, and it gives you repeatability in between the same objects when you're doing bulk runs. That's also part of the reason why we keep referencing if you're going to be doing a lot of the same thing, EasyCAD 3 makes sense, but if you're not, it can make setup a long process, and um, depending on what you're doing. I was going to say, uh, just a source that you know about, Pascal Liu is a great guy. Like My UV is from him. And he's super knowledgeable on UVs. So he'd be someone to reach out to who that could tell you about 5, 10, 12, EasyCAD 3 versus EasyCAD 2 and what would work great with that. I'm sure you can reach out to any of the companies that produce UV, but I just, I know I speak with them frequently when I've got questions like that. It might take you a little bit of time to get that answer, but like it, it'll be a good answer when you get it. Dave says, has anyone opened up an OPEX lens? I just got a 70 millimeter lens and behind the large protective window appears to have something in it. It could just be dirty at the on the surface of the lens. So make sure you clean the, the front and the back well. But if there is something in it, I wouldn't bother trying to open it. I would just process a return or ask for an exchange because they're not meant to be opened. They are like sealed. And if you open them, it won't be sealed anymore. You you basically have to press the glass out of it because the housing is sealed. They're not really user serviceable. And to be honest, the factory probably wouldn't be able to service it without breaking it because it's probably epoxied together if I had to guess. Yeah, they don't want it moving around once they put it in there. Right. Yeah. Built-in chiller versus separate chiller on a CO2 gantry machine. So in terms of ease and, and convenience or in terms of serviceability, those are two different things. In my mind, having it built in is convenient because it takes up less space. It's built in. It's on when the machine is on. You don't have to worry about it. You can't really forget it. But the downside is in servicing it, if you have it up against a wall, if it's built into the machine, the whole machine has to get pulled out in order for you to service it or drain it. If something goes wrong, now you have a problem and you have to rip the machine apart to get that replaced or serviced. And you can't just order another unit and, you know, swip, swap to, you know, hoses and you're up and running again instantly kind of thing. Good point. Just my take. And I've, I've got mine down on the ground. And I think that the biggest thing, like Kyle said too, is my, my biggest fear is water in the machine either from the tube or from the machine having some kind of a malfunction where like with back pressure issues or something if there was a surge which is rare super rare and that's that'd be the biggest thing is how can i get it out quickly <laughs> so that's it that's that'd be my biggest take on it is the boss rotary compatible with your fiber and co2 machines uh so the answer to that is Fortunately, yes. Um, so the way that the rotaries work is they have the stepper motors. So basically you've got three phase, 
for these guys. Uh, so this CO2 Galvo, basically all the machines you see behind me um, and the one that you can't see right here, they all are plug and play, but that's also because they're from the same manufacturer. So that's something to consider. And I think that's what I wrote in chat a little bit after I saw that. Basically, the, the best answer for <laughs> you is, and also when you go to, to order these for a Galvo machine, they're going to ask you what type of plug do you have, but then you also need to know about the amperage for the motors to make sure that they work so that you're getting the best bang for your buck. So make sure you know who your manufacturer is, talk to them, get that information before you order something like that would be my best answer for you. But luckily mine do uh, all from the, all three machines work. Uh, what kind of materials have you marked and cut with Oof. a fiber laser? So many um, things. Have I, have we marked or can you mark? Cause you can basically mark, many things not limited to metals but you can cut basically cutting every type of metal would you say that uh, we laser everything guys yes <laughs> um fiber is really good for inorganics so metals some stones some clays that kind of stuff excellent not awesome for wood not awesome for anything uh, that glass has moisture not, content and not awesome for anything that is in the white to yellow to lighter colored things. Don't forget that too. So True. I'm not saying that you can't tweak your settings and mark an, an Apple, some plastics, but it's it's not really when you're when you're doing the the Apple Airphone, you know, marking, it's you're you're actually playing with what's in their polymer. If it was a different kind of polymer, the you wouldn't you, yeah. you had the additives. You, so Keep that in mind. I'm about to talk about that in my next video coming out about how fiber lasers react to darker colors so versus true. lighter colors, even yep. even big lasers. Same thing. Well, and even if it's matte versus glossy can make a huge difference too. sometimes. Too. Just I messed up one time. I had a double sided material where one was matte and one was glossy. And I just, you know, shoving one in, taking one out, boop, boop, boop. I had put it on the wrong side and on the glossy side, it bubbled. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. But then I was like, oh, shit, oh, crap. And I flipped it over and perfect engrave. Mm -hmm. So yep. just weird little stuff like that. And what Kyle said, mostly non-organic stuff is what fibers are good for. You can mm -hmm. get away with like leather and, and other stuff, but... If it's dark. Th there's, there's exceptions to the rules. And then there's, right. there's just straight up difficulties that you have to bend over backwards to, to work around or just some things that don't work. So uh, do you have a recommendation for creating a see-through safety shield to put around your fiber laser while it's running three-sided folding setup for longer laser jobs? The problem with see-through is that infrared tends to go through see-through materials like glass or acrylic even. You need something rated for the wavelength to actually get protection from it. Otherwise you're just making a fume and dust enclosure and not a protection enclosure. The, only back to the X tool yeah. F one that we saw earlier and it was mint green for a reason. And I'm sure somewhere out there, you know, I know that NOIR sells sheets of laser rated mm -hmm. safety sheets. If you really mm -hmm. want to invest in that and build that, you can buy the correct wavelength protection yep. of, of sheets and they'll cut it to shape and send it to you and you can pick your optical density. You can do all that stuff. It's very expensive and I'm sure that there's an alternate out there. I haven't found one yet that I would trust yeah. to, to, to just trust buy sheets the key word there. that I would trust, <laughs> but I know that NOIR you can buy laser curtains, not just safety glasses. You can buy curtains. Mm -hmm. You can buy sheets of the same material that they make their goggles out of. It's just going to, it's yep. going to really set you back. 
And I just want to reiterate what Michael said that you can trust you, because there, there's there's similar material on Amazon that's <clears throat> about the same cost, but now like the last I checked, it was it was a brand that nobody's ever heard of. I can't find a place where they sell optics and they didn't provide their. They have no proof. Shoes. Yep, no proof. So there's and, no uh, proof to go off of and. And by the way, places wow. like No IR are they're part of the scientific community and literally like they're trusted. Like they've got, I think it's like CESA or something like that certified. Mm-hmm. So it's like certified European scientific. I don't know, but there's basically if you look at their stuff, it's like why use us or who are we? And they've got certifications. So when they show you these tests, those are actually like rigorously tested and then proven to be true. And that's where if you're doing on-site stuff and somebody said, well, where'd you get your stuff from? And you're like, well, Amazon said, woo, liability. Hello, my name is. Yeah. They've so, got a pair. I just have to say something. I almost got them. They have a pair <clears throat> of fiber laser glasses. Oh God. They're $500. The is visible easy? light transmission oh, it's like- is, is like up in the like 80 yeah, percent range yeah they almost they, they almost look like these glasses but they're they're rated for the 1064 nanometer that's dope. Uh, with a really high <laughs> obstacle density and then i saw the price tag i was all i can't do it but i would love to have those but if yeah. that's what you do for a living and you're making 100 grand a year and you don't want to keep having to look through like the dark stuff i get it like 500 bucks you're like okay who came up with that material you know someone who's it. making a lot of money yeah cheap alternative uh trifold cardboard get two of those and stick one on each side and block up all all four sides and you at least have most of your base is covered and it's it's like 10 bucks of investment and you're done not see through um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. non see through will martin says your content is always great and inspiring thanks guys thank you and thank you all for being here is 50 watt laser good for deep engraving it can I be yeah so. kyle has a death star i have a 100 watt a 60 watt a 30 watt and a 20 watt and i wouldn't venture to say a 30 watt would be what i would go to to do a lot of deep engraving but it's doable if you have a you know a reasonable lens and you're working with a, a material that isn't copper but i would <laughs> i would say if all you're doing is deep engraving i would probably start looking at 50 watts and higher like because sure. now, now you're looking at time investment and efficiency that's definitely that's all you're doing that's the floor yep 100 watt fiber laser what would i do with a 100 watt fiber laser i have 50 watts i've been using it for 10 years now and i'm happy very happy with it but man i just i'm all 100 watts that's right i just think one million dollars interesting depth (laughs) testing with it too it's Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun Dokin says what are your thoughts on cloud ray 60 watt mopa good for it our stance with any laser is if we haven't tested it, all we can look at is the spec sheet, right? It's like looking at cars. We can say that car is awesome, but if we've never driven it, it's probably not best to, to do a, a full-on recommendation for something if we have no experience with it. Going back to everything we said before about different companies and assembly and whatever, we've never had Cloudray on our hands. We are looking at doing a review on one here in the future. So maybe we can answer that with some level of authority at some point. For now, I would would say go on to discord and check out the comments do it do a 
uh, forum post and ask for uh, information from anybody who bought a Cloudray Fiber and ask them what their experience was, ask them if they've looked inside it, if it's been good for longevity. I would start with that because now you're, you are you have a two-way communication instead of just reading whether or not it's a five-star or a one-star product kind of thing. You know what I mean? Hopefully we can get one in for review here at some point and we can offer a first-hand experience. Some vendors also require a certificate of insurance yes. if you plan on yes, doing important yes. parts. Yes. So if you're um, going to be laser engraving a, a $1,500 part multiple times for a long span of a production run, they want to know that you're covered. That's actually in the, in the newest uh, edition of the Laser Focus magazine. I actually wrote an article about working with the school district and to get, so not working with a school like this high school or this elementary school, but for the school district, which is a massive place, they require a laundry list of different types of insurance. So they actually require like transportation insurance even if you're never going to come on their property, you have to have it for them to hire you in case you did have to at some point. They require liability, commercial, general, or you can have some co- like a million of this, a million of this, a million of this, or some combination of five million in total, which mm. that's where you start getting into expensive. But that's where you're working for one of the <clears throat> top 10 largest counties in the nation. And they're, they're going to spend money for you to pay that. <laughs> so you'll be okay. It's not exclusive to just yours too, or, right. or even that, that oh, region, right. even in my area, uh, I'm up in the northeast matt is in the southeast and michael's in between that's kind of the case for most of the districts up here too where they want coverage if you're putting something in their their students hands in their faculty's hands if you're selling it on their behalf or doing work for them they want to know that you're insured so if something goes wrong if somebody gets hurt with what you did they want to know that there's an insurance company that's going to pick up on the other end and know that they have somebody they can hold responsible yeah i did some on-site stuff for emory college here in atlanta and uh they had me go through all those hoops and provide that and it wasn't a big deal but it was some bureaucracy but once i was once you're that's the good point like matt was saying once you're in you're in yeah. like you're done and like you're have you, they have all point. they have you all on file they've they have all your credentials. You're good. They'll just start working with you. I'm super excited because today I went to my local utility. So I'm getting my foot in the door with my utility, one of my utilities in the in the region. And I'm making 21 plastic signs, nothing big. They're three inch by 21 inch and they're for inverter boxes. Because yes. uh, I asked them, am I allowed to tell people about this? <laughs> and they were like, why? I was like, no reason. But I'm really excited because by getting onto their vendor list, all of my information is there. I understand how to write up their invoices slash contracts because they do have specific ways they want it, their bookkeeping purposes. And then the great thing is now I can say, hey, uh, Michael, how's it going? Uh, I just got done working with Kyle over here at the solar panel, blah, blah, blah. And um, he was talking to me about your facility and how you might need some tags for these things. I'd love to come out and do a quick assessment with you, like run the grounds with you. I know that you've got water, electrical and gas lines, and I've got anodized aluminum for different colors, like red could be for gas, blue for water, yellow for electricity or gold for electricity. I'd love to come talk with you and see what you think and what I can do for you. When can we meet? And it's like, oh, you worked with Kevin. Okay, great. Or whoever, or Kyle, not Kevin. Wow, I'm yep. tired. You worked with Kyle? Yeah, let, yeah let's get you in here. So I'm I, in my mind, I'm already like figuring this is how that conversation is going to go. They might tell me off. <laughs> <laughs> go pound sand. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, the fact that these guys know each other and he's the one telling me about it, I'm going to push hard to try to get that connection to, to go say hi. Because that's where a power plant, I used to work at one. I know the amount of signage and tags that are necessary by law for federal laws, state laws, local. I mean, it's insane. So you have to have identification so that people don't 
die. And so that's where it's just money, 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 money. And uh, Blonde Fox also said above a lot of the people in our industry, or at least in these groups, make luxury items like, you know, for people and there you have to compete with each other. But when you can get yeah. into a utility or a large company like that, or like a school district, they're whales. Right. And I'm not saying plug them for everything you can get, but at the same time, they're used to having a certain standard of a payment. And so you don't have to feel bad. You know, you're not trying to undercut anybody. You're just there putting in your bid to, to see what you can do. So a lot of value there. Sorry if I say this wrong. Aereo wants to know, I want to engrave curved glass with my fiber. Is there an ink or paint, et cetera, available that y'all have tried? Sir Marker Brilliance is basically your options there without getting too, too hacky because the fiber wavelength will go straight through that glass and reflect onto something else. I've seen a few people lately posting about that um, in different groups that there is something they found and it's those two. I think it was like white. So it wasn't the dark black they were going. It was like a white mark and that's what they're doing with the laser with the fiber and uh, under the microscope, it almost looked like UV. The only issue again is it's going to take a lot of, like Kyle said, it's a little hacky until you, I'm sure there's some kind of a process that if you can get it down, it would work, but it's just going to be one of those things where it's, it's not the best tool, but if it's what you can afford and it's what you got, why not give it a shot? And last last thing I have here is uh, Gar says, been using a camera to monitor the fiber so I don't have to look at it directly. Not a question, but a comment. I do the same thing. So even even though I'm partially photosensitive, I can't really stare directly at the fiber a lot of the time, especially if I'm having a really bad day, if I didn't get enough sleep, or if I've been staring at it for a long period of time already. So being able to look at it through my computer monitor, even with my safety glasses on, since it's right there, is just better for me personally anyway. So that is something I absolutely recommend. Unless you guys have anything else, I think we're done with questions for tonight. No, man, it was a good show. <laughs> you can uh, tell if I'm if I'm tired, like man. Yeah, he called you <laughs> Kevin and called me Larry. Alex and <laughs> Mo. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yo, Larry nine one one down there. <laughs> I didn't call you Larry. <laughs> Oh my God, it was like Laney or Linny or something. Jesus. All right. Thank you all for hanging out uh, for the Laser Source podcast. Appreciate you. If you've been hanging out with us and you appreciate the content, hit that like button. Join us in one of our communities. We have the Facebook and Discord link in the description below. Those are absolutely free to join. We have many people in the community and the staff who are super appreciative of you being there and are happy to answer questions and discuss stuff with you. Yep. And there's the LMA, which is there, and we couldn't be here without them. Uh, ultimately, they the, the members of the LMA support us and allow us to be here for everyone and create content full time and do what we do. So thank you to them. And if you want to support the channel, check that out. The link is for that is in the description as well. And the, rate the podcast. If you have yeah. Apple... If you have any podcast service, leave a rating. It helps get the, the podcast in front of more eyes and helps more people out and helps everyone get the help they need. And yeah, thank you to Michael from Laser Engraving 911 for hanging out. And thank you to Matt for hanging out. And uh, we appreciate you all hanging out. Have a beautiful week. See you next week. See you guys. See you guys. Thank you.